Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined, Changing the Experience of Divorce. I'm your host, Cindy Stibbard. And you know that when you come to this podcast, you get so much inspiration and knowledge and education and stories from other people and professionals and just other humans who have been touched by divorce, whether they've been through it themselves, whether they know of other people who have been through it. And there is so much power that comes from sharing our stories and being authentic about it. And if you are just contemplating divorce yourself, or maybe you're thick in the process, or you're even out the other side wanting to make better choices and redefine yourself and your life, you have come to the right place. My goal and purpose are to provide you with the information, education, guidance, inspiration, and empowerment so you can make the best decisions for you. Divorce is never easy, but it doesn't have to be ugly. Making it ugly is a choice. So if you or someone you know is currently on the fence about marriage, maybe you're contemplating divorce, but you're stuck on how to have that conversation right. I have something for you. I just launched my first digital mini course called The Talk, Mastering the Art of Having the Hard Conversation with Your Spouse. So if you are struggling to find the right words to tell your spouse that you want a divorce, or you find yourself constantly putting off the conversation because you're too afraid of how they react, I got you. Having the divorce talk can be one of the most difficult yet most important conversations you will ever have in your life. And that is why I created the Talk Digital Course. It's a self-guided workshop-style mini course designed to help prepare you for having the hard conversation with your spouse. In this course, you're going to get over 20 different scripts, sentence starters, possible responses to help you start and form the best possible narrative when preparing for and having this conversation. In addition to the scripts, I am also going to teach you the most important do's and don'ts and what to avoid during this conversation. You will learn what works, what doesn't work when it comes to communicating your desire for a divorce, and this will help you avoid misunderstandings or arguments and ensure that your conversation stays productive and respectful. We can't change the system, but we can definitely change how you approach the divorce process. And that is why grabbing your digital copy of the talk is going to give you the confidence and skills you need to approach this really hard conversation with grace and clarity. So if this is something that you are interested in taking, is pursuing, head on over to my Instagram at Divorce Redefined, click the link in my bio and grab yourself a copy today at a very low cost of $49. I want to give you a little head start on having this conversation right. So without further ado, today I want to get into our episode. I am really excited to have a special guest on today. Julie Harper is a writer, producer, musician, and founder of the online sisterhood sisterhood called I Am Her. 
She is based in Nashville, Tennessee, and a divorced single mother herself of triplets. She's known for her unfiltered, authentic voice and fierce fighting spirit. Julie even says herself, even at rock bottom and the decade it's taken me to crawl my way out, I've always had huge dreams for myself, for my children, and for women. Every single dream for us points to freedom. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Julie. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm so <laughs> excited. You're so beautiful. Like I'm oh just my staring at your face. You're just <laughs> this like beautiful creature. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. I feel the same way about you, yet we don't get to see as much of your face on Instagram on your page. No, I know. I know. Yeah. I I hide I hide behind Instagram a little bit. <laughs> so but I, I appreciate. Have... Yeah. Go ahead. I do have to say that, you know, I think I've been following you for, for a few years and your words are so incredibly powerful that I truly, when I first started following you, I thought you were someone in the divorce and relationship space of like reinventing and re-empowering yourself because you just nail it time and time again with, you know, what all of us out here are are going through in terms of relationship or rebuilding ourselves or confidence or self-love on so many levels. And I love the the platform that you've created. I am her. So I'd love for you to, you know, share a little bit about that and how this the birth of this all began. Yeah. I mean, I think like so many things, they come out of some sort of crisis, which it was for me um, about eight years ago is when I went through a divorce. Um, I had three five-year-olds and um, it was just, as you can imagine, as it is for so many women, just a very messy time. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom. And really where I, what I am her came from is I grew up in a very, um, Christian environment. Um, and I was fairly judgmental of a lot of things that I ended up experiencing in my life. And, um, that was really what it was born out of, you know, my own rock bottom where I spent my whole life saying I would never be like her. I would never be like her. I would never get divorced. Obviously Mm -hmm. I would never get divorced with kids. Like what kind of monster gets divorced with kids? You know, all of those, those narratives. And I found myself at 33, uh, a divorced, uh, mother of three and, um, and really, uh, so that was what the, I am her piece of it was born out of that, of just this recognition of at my rock bottom was actually the first time that I really was able to see myself in someone else's story. Um, and it connected me to myself and to women in a way that I never, ever could have imagined. Um, and it was just out of these horrible circumstances. Um, but it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. So, um, so that's where I am her came from. And then just truly building, I I started on Instagram, you know, around that time, eight years ago, and I was posting other people's things that were helping me heal. I had two followers, my mom and one of my sisters. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you have to follow me because I'm going to say some stuff. So just get ready. Um, And then I think just over, over time, as I was, you know, really digging in and doing work and doing a lot of healing and spiritual work, I just, I started to find my own voice where I would have somebody, you know, I would read something and I'd be like, well, it resonates with me, but this is how I actually, this is how I feel like it is. And so I would express, start to express it in my own way. Um, And then just started posting. I had no idea what I was doing and um, just, it grew very organically. 
Yeah. And you have quite the following now. And I think that it's so inspiring because it's so deep. And I, I feel like the same, I, you know, it resonates with me what you're saying, because when we start posting about our experiences and, and all the growth that we're having, I feel like it's a way that we can also, you know, encourage our own healing at the same time as helping others heal yeah. in a place that we weren't able to, to get help or heal ourselves. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. It's so incredible that you've created this platform. And I just, I love that, you know, your branding and your inspiration and you're quite the writer too, you know, like where does all of that come from? You're, you're a writer and a, and a producer and a musician by, by nature. Have you, have you always been strong in this way? You know, no, I musician, you know, I went to college for music and, and majored on vocal performance. Um, but it wasn't actually, I didn't start writing. I didn't really even read books until I went through my divorce and I couldn't <laughs> oh afford God. TV. You know, it's so funny <laughs> you say that I'm the same way. It was like never <laughs> happening. <laughs> I was like, people magazine articles are too long for me. I can't, I don't want to, I don't, but when I, I didn't have TV, when I went through my divorce and so I started reading and fell in love with reading and I just started, you know, consuming. And I think too, you know, when you're in a lot of pain and confusion, you just can like, I would consume everything that I could get my hands on. So oh, yeah. um, I started reading then and I never thought of myself as a writer. I mean, I still kind of, I mean, I'm starting to think that I am, but um, I don't even really consider myself a writer or haven't. That wasn't the dream, but I, I love being able to express myself now um, in that way. And I, I really, I fell in love with it. So, but yeah. no, that was not the initial, that was not the initial <laughs> dream. It, that's so amazing. I love that because I I feel the same way about about reading. I mean, I read for for pleasure, you know, before. And then when you have kids, you really don't have time to read. No. And then it wasn't really until I got divorced either where I just dove in. And I'm an audiobook listener. So I mean, I can't read very well. I fall asleep and I just get really distracted. But I'm constantly having something in my ear of just filling myself with whatever it is that I can learn and grow. And I think over time too, it's really helped me establish the vocabulary that that I need to be able to express my experience and my feelings and the emotions that I've gone through. And I don't think that I yeah. would be able to have found that on my own. You know, yes. have you found that similarly? Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, like, who are your favorite when you think about like an author that, you know, whether it was just the style of writing or expression, like who are your favorites? Who's Who are like top three? Oh my gosh. So I think Brenny Brown, she was like the first one out oh, of the gates yeah. when I started, when I got divorced, my girlfriend's like, okay, read her yeah. power of vulnerability. And every, everything in there was like, how did I not know about these things before? Um, and then I read Terry Cole, boundary boss. I didn't even know uh, what boundaries yeah. were <laughs> you know, yeah. when I got divorced. Um, yeah. God, the list goes on though. I love Mel Robbins. Cause I just find her really like super candid and straight to the yeah. point. And really inspirational. Yep. I love Jay Shetty. Like him and his oh, yeah. wife are just so lovely and beautiful. Um, I love Ed Milet. Like, I don't know. I could just, I don't know. Keep going. Jenna Kutcher is oh. not bad. Pretty good. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. No, I know. You, well, you start to, you start to get, you know, you, you dive into like Brene Brown or even like Oprah's platform. Oh, and yeah. you just, I feel like you're just introduced to so many different people. Um, and they all are connected and they all start to, they say this, some of the same things in the same way, which is so cool because then it starts to really sink in and, and you're doing so much of that work comes through 
Um, so much of what you do resonates with me because of that. So it's not a surprise to me that Brene is on that list and <laughs> everybody well, and else. You, you and, and you were on that list. If I was to say who are my Instagram, um, you know, uh, inspirations, because I only went through my process five years ago. So you were ahead okay. of me and your page was what was grounding me in terms of, mm. oh my gosh, she's speaking what I'm feeling. You know, when you're at that place where you just don't know how to verbalize how you're feeling, I get that all the time from followers. And I'm sure you do too. We're like, oh, thank you for saying it that way. I've been looking for a way to verbalize my experience for so long. And you were that for me. Yes. Oh, thank you. Uh, That means a lot. I, that is what this is all about. I feel like that was again, when you're in pain and you have somebody that you can follow, which I have those people too, um, at that time, it's, there's nothing more important because it does get you through it somehow. Yeah. Who are those for you in terms of inspirational writers? You know, there's a lot, I would say, I mean, Brene obviously is, is going to be on the list. Glennon, Glennon Doyle is she, her style has been so liberating for me. Just, you know, she says, everything that I think I'm thinking and didn't know that I could say, mm-hmm. um, or didn't know people could say out loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Cheryl Strayed is, is yeah. one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, Mel, Mel's amazing. I mean, they're Deepak Chopra, mm-hmm. um, Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean the, the whole, and Oprah, I mean, Oprah is, is Oprah. So yeah. she's, um, yeah. So I'm very similar, I think to you. It's just so fulfilling. Like I can't, I can't imagine myself right now anyways, going back and reading a novel just for fun. Like I feel like I just need to be a sponge and I love yes. just, just, you know, sopping up all of that inspiration and those stories and ways to think of things that I didn't know. And, you know, I'm in my forties now, 47, and yeah. I feel like, why am I just learning all this now? <laughs> you know, like know. where was all of this before? And it wasn't anywhere. That's the thing. That's what I think is so crazy about like our, this group of women, like this age range. And I would say like, I'll say 40, but like even a little bit less than that, like we'll say 35 to, I don't know, 60, like in that there's like this awakening. And I feel like we're the bridge from the old to the new, like we Mm -hmm. didn't have this, you know, this isn't, this didn't exist. And I feel like even in the last five years, three years, it's just, it's at a whole different level. So yeah, um, I agree that blown up. Yeah, it has. And I think it helps too with the, the shame of it. Cause I've, I've gone to that place a bunch where I'm like, how in the hell did I not know? Like, I wish I had known this, but we just didn't, we didn't Mm -hmm. have, it wasn't, it wasn't what it is right now. Mm -hmm. I know. And I think that the way that a person, even that I've become, you know, post-divorce, it's not even the same person at all who was married to my ex-spouse. And I think that if I had known this person, had he had known this person, had been this person in that relationship, things could have been different. But, you know, I think things happen to teach you what you need to know. Like Pema Chodron says, like we, you know, a message is always there when, if you haven't learned the lesson from it yet. And I think it was because of my you know, I think good or bad, however someone wants to look at it, but it was my divorce that launched me into so much self-growth development and even yes. the career that I have right now. So yes. let's talk about that for you and what your healing journey was like to go, I mean, go, to go through divorce is one thing and, and have kids and now have to co-parent. 
you know, how did that healing journey go for you? And what did you learn about yourself through it? Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like I'm still learning. I, I'm, i I feel somewhat out of the crisis of it, which lasted way longer than I expected it to. Yeah. I was like, Oh, we'll just get through this. And it wasn't, um, you know, I think too, for me, like I had not, I, I went from, I mean, I dated one person was like a really good Christian girl, married the all American Christian athlete. I went from high school to college to marriage Um, and I hid behind, you know, what, and it wasn't his fault. It was just, I sort of just slid into that life. And, um, so I didn't have a lot of adult skills. Like I feel like I was not ready at all for, or prepared for life. So I've learned, had to learn a lot of things, pretty much, pretty much everything since like the age of 33 with three, five-year-olds, you know, was where it started. So it was, it was a very messy messy process. Um, I, and I mean, I was on food stamps, I was homeless for a period of time. Um, yeah, so it was, it, it was definitely really messy. I wouldn't take any of that back given like, you know, again, there's no shortcuts to that becoming, um, and facing yourself in those moments. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was really, 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 really hard. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't even know what the original question was, but yeah, I mean, it's been a process. It's a process It's and it still is. Wow. To be at that place where you were homeless and you had kids at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What, and what was that like for you? Even, yeah. I mean, I think, well, I think what it was, and I've done obviously done a lot of work around this with, you know, therapy and things like that. But, you know, I had some, I had prolonged, I think trauma. I mean, I having triplets and that experience was very traumatic. Mm. It was, a um, you know, we were all, I was in the hospital for a long time and on bed rest and the kids were, um, you know, in, they were born very early. And so they were, we were all in the hospital for a long time and it, we just, we left the hospital and it was like, all right, it's survival. Um, and once I just like, right as I started to feel like, you know, I mean, I don't know how settled you can be with three, five-year-olds, but like just at that time where we've, you know, we're getting it, we're out of like the real trauma, mm. um, you know, we went through a divorce and had to figure out what to do with my life and work. And, um, and we didn't have a lot of money. It wasn't like some, you know, cush situation. Um, mm-hmm. we just didn't. So, um, so yeah, so I had to figure out a lot of things. So I, yeah, I was homeless. Um, I just, everything compounded and I just couldn't, I was like not functioning well. Um, and so, yeah, nobody knew I, I would drop the kid. Actually my ex-husband knew, which is a whole different story, but, um, I would take the kids and figure it out during the day. And then I would, I would drop them off at night when it was bedtime. And then I would go sleep in my car. And I switched between two hotel parking lots, like pretty close to like where my family was. And and I was, there was so much shame that I just Mm. didn't tell anybody. So nobody Mm. knew it wasn't, you know, so I don't want to, you know, paint some horrible light about all the wonderful people in my life, but it was just shame. And I just couldn't, I just wasn't functioning well. So. Oh, wow. um, That must've been unbelievable. And how long did you do that for? It was a couple of months. So I was in, so I split time between Nashville and Minnesota. Minnesota is where um, I was born and and that's where my family is. Um, And it was, it was heading, we were heading into winter. So it was getting cold. And so it was 
bumped right up against, you know, it was like mid November when we Mm -hmm. started to, it started to get really cold. So, um, I finally reached out to, um, one of my best friends and, um, and she took me in and I just started to build from there. So, wow. Oh my gosh. But you, you clearly had this, this drive in yourself, you know, to not give up and you knew you had to move forward, you know? Yep. And, and that's hard by taking the next step and and knowing, okay, what am I going to do to turn this around for myself? So what did happen for you with the next, you know, year, a couple of years to get yourself back on your own two feet? Yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned in that specifically with my friend, Abby, who took me in, um, you know, she, I remember calling her and she, and I, you know, I told her what was going on and she was like, you know, shocked and all the things but she said to me something that I'll never forget. She said, um, and she has four kids and a husband, like it was, you know, she has a very busy life. And she was like, you can come stay with me for a week or until you're 80 years old. Like Mm -hmm. you always have a home here and however long it takes. And she was just so loving. And I I remember showing up there and it, she just made it, whatever home could be at that time. And it was, I mean, the whole, all the circumstances was disaster, you know, (laughs) from the outside and inside, but she didn't treat it that way. And she didn't treat me that way. And I think because I was living in so much shame and really buried in it for so long, it was the only way that I, she like loved me back to life as Mm. opposed to judged or there was no tough love. Like, I don't even think tough love is a thing. I, you cannot criticize people back to life. You can't yeah. shame them back to life. So she just loved me back to that. And I started to, um, the shame started to go away. Obviously, you know, when you're sleeping in your car, you're not, the sleep isn't, you know, your body, everything starts to break down at that point. So I think yeah. just having like laying on a horizontal bed, like I will never take that for granted again, because it makes a huge difference um, in just, you know, how you function. So yeah, it was just a very slow process. Um, I think I was there for probably six months and then just like, I was still building and, and, you know, working, I got a job that I hated and, um, you know, but was making Mm -hmm. money and just started, it was very slow and steady. And that's what I always say to people is like, it is the next right step. Like there is like, there were days where I was like, I just need to take a shower. And that is all that I can do. And then I need to sit and I need to read or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Like you can only do so much. You can't go from zero to a hundred or it won't, Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll fall back. So yeah. Slow and steady. Wow. That is huge. And then to get where you are today, because I mean, I just saw that you had a a cover shoot for a magazine (laughs) and you know, you are quite a shining star and a success story after all of this. So, you know, you must've worked really hard to get yourself to where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, working hard is what I had to figure out was a way to work that worked like in a way that worked for me. And, you know, I, I think that alignment with like, like this, like doing this, talking to women, like it's what I naturally love to do. Um, And I'm sure it is for you too. You're so Mm -hmm. good at it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's just an energy there that, um, you know, I, I just, I want to do, I love writing. I love, none of it is, you know, it takes intention, but it's not hard. 
It's just, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it requires all of me and like my heart and soul. And I put that into it. And I mean, I'm a believer that like, that is the only way that it works is when you can really incorporate everything about yourself and really figure out what that is, you know, and not apologize for it, figure out your ways of doing things and then just do it in a way that works for you. Yeah. Um, And and that's, yeah. Yeah. And then your, your career can become your passion. And is that what you've created your life to be? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's always been just like doing kind of the next thing that I wanted to do. Like I, I mean, a woman, I mean, this kind of all started because I had, I'd been writing, I am her and doing that. And the only reason I was doing it was to heal myself. I didn't, I mean, at that time I didn't have like some marketing plan. I mean, I still don't have a marketing plan, but I didn't have (laughs) some big vision for what it would be. I didn't know. Um, But a woman um, in Minneapolis who was uh, the global HR director for General Mills um, asked if I would do an event. And she was like, would you speak? And I was like, oh my God, I've never spoken anywhere. I don't like, you know, I didn't say that to her, but I was like, yes, I'll speak. So mm-hmm. I just figured out, like, I didn't know really what I was going to say. I had a little outline, but I got up and spoke. It was 60 women in her beautiful home. And I didn't know that they were a bunch of, it was like all the female executives for these like fortune <laughs> whatever companies. And I'm really glad that I didn't know because I think I would have been really intimidated, but it was the most beautiful experience. Um, And one of the women after was like, you know, your, whatever you're saying resonates, I'm going through this, you know, it was a divorce and, um, and she's like, would you coach me? And I'm like, well, I'm not a coach. And so she said, well, why don't, why don't we just see? And so we did a session. I didn't charge her. I was like, I wouldn't even know what to charge you. And we got done. And she, after 90 minutes, she was like, I've gotten more out of this 90 minutes than I have in the last 10 years of therapy. Um, Can I hire you? And so that's really where the, the coaching piece started. And, And then there's been speaking opportunities, but it really has just been me being myself as, you know, dialing, keep dialing into that and expressing that, um, more boldly and opportunities have just started to come, especially in the last, I would say two years. Yeah. So, wow. That is so, so fantastic. Just, you know, Mm -hmm. you are using your skills and your natural experiences to be able to help others, you know, like in this high level of, of service, I really feel yeah. like, you know, that's where it all comes down to, right? Is how we're serving others at the end of the day. And that's so huge. Um, and your Instagram, like I want to talk about a couple of the things that you've that you've posted. There's so many. It was hard to choose what to go into. Uh, but I want to talk about one that you posted about independence and you know how we have mm. such this, this, you know power for women to be independent and we need to be on our own and we need to make these choices and, you know, go women, girl power. And then you talk about how it's different when our independence is forced on us yeah. because our relationship or our, you know, dependence was not a healthy situation. So let's yeah. talk about that. Like uh, your words are so eloquent, eloquent. What was that like for you? What inspired that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's based on my own experience, but also, and I would love to ask you the same because, you know, working with women that are going through the divorce, like it is, it's not pretty when it comes to, you know, this, again, it's like women out of survival need to become these independent people. And there's value in that, but not when it's because you're 
you know, especially for let's say stay-at-home moms, like I was a stay-at-home mom, I don't feel like what I sacrificed or brought to the table was valued Mm -hmm. in any way. And so like I was forced into this, you know, independence and figuring it out and all of that. And again, it's, it's, that's not a bad thing in and of itself, but when it's forced because what you bring to the table wasn't valued or there isn't an equal, um, equal support, um, Mm. which I see a lot, um, I think it's, that's where it comes, you know, starts to get into this, like it's out of trauma and forced because you're not valued and you're not given what you should have. Yeah. And, and that financial equality too, you know, there is no number that equates to being a stay at home mom, even though it is the most important and hardest job you will ever have. It's 24 seven for years on end. And when you divorce, there is no amount that says, okay, this is what your, your role was worth because that's also where we get stuck because so many of us in that situation, like me, I was like that too, stayed at home for 11 years that position was valued, you know, on a surface level, of course, my ex has been valued, quote unquote, you know, what I, the role, but it changes when you go through divorce and it's like, well, you're (laughs) a stay at home mom. That's not really, you know, a a comparative situation. You should have been working, you know, that whole thing. It's, it makes me, there's nothing that will, I mean, it makes me want to slash people's tires and (laughs) yell and scream because it is, it, that is exactly what happens. It's very interesting to me or has been how quickly it becomes. And this is, I know it's not just with men, it's both, but like his house, his car, Mm -hmm. his phone, his, like all of a sudden it's all good until it's not. And that's the part that I think, you know, I'm sure you are working with women who it's not good. Now it went from, Oh, it's all good until now it's, it's not. And there's a real imbalance and there's power control and it's abused a lot more than I thought it was. Yeah. I agree too. I think that there's so much of that happening. There's so much of that happening that are, that is keeping women in unhealthy and abusive situations because they just don't know how to get out because they're feeling like they're controlled or they're financially abused, or they have this also created dependency in a way that's not allowing them to be independent by choice. Yes. Yeah. And it it affects the way you see yourself too, which is why I think it's women sink and stay for so long. It's like, I remember the first time my um, ex took my phone away and like, I remember begging for my own phone back. Like I'm a grown woman, mother of three, you know, and then it was the car and then it was the, and it, it affected the way that I saw myself to the point where like, you start to believe like, Oh, I guess I, I think I maybe deserve this. Like Mm -hmm. I deserve this to be in this position because of, I mean, it just affects the way you see yourself. So it does. And you feel like, what have I done here? Like, this is obviously to the point where I've destroyed, you know, relationships I have damaged. I have caused trauma. I have ruined my kids' lives and the, and the idea of them having a nuclear family. This is my fault, you know? Yeah. Yep. It's so heavy, you know? Why do you think like women, I feel we self-abandon so quickly, you know, and I don't see that as much for men, but why do you think we do that as women? You know, I, I've thought about that question a lot because it's something that I feel like I've just learned in the last few years, 
Um, I mean, I think part of it is the conditioning. I mean, when the, the more I do, the more I read and research about like the history, I mean, I, and, and like taking a step way back and not just in our, you know, communities, I'm like, oh, we were kind of screwed entering into, like we were born into the world apologizing for who we are. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. Like, like that's where we started. And so I just feel like, and that I think is important because it helps with the shame piece because so often, like we were just talking, it's like, we, we think about it in terms of like, well, how didn't I know this mm-hmm. five years ago or 10 years ago? No one did. Mm-hmm. Why is it like this? Oh, this is the world we we're, we live in. We didn't have a choice into how this was set up. The system isn't broken. The system's working exactly as it should, and that's the problem. So it's like you're up again. We're up against. We're fighting like big like infrastructures still, and will be for long after we're gone. Yeah. And these ideologies of how, you know, families are supposed to be women's roles in society, you know, men's roles in society, like it's still so deeply ingrained there. Yes. We, we, how to change it? I don't know. I think that's, this starts by having these conversations and being aware that it's happening and knowing that it doesn't have to be this way if we choose otherwise, but we do need to start having these difficult conversations instead of just letting society take us, we do have a determining factor in our own fate and our own lives. And yes, yeah. And in our own healing, you know, we all, I mean, I don't, I don't really care who you are. We all have a level of trauma that we likely haven't dealt with, you know, and healing and that self-awareness is so much our job to to learn and grow so we can change these society, you know, conventions and how things are, are, are approached for our kids in the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think it's true and, and strengthening women. I mean, I I don't know how it was for you, but like, you know, you, I mean, I remember silently scrolling and looking and reading and like building strength day by day, like in the quiet of myself, like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could think like that. I didn't know that was a thing, you know, whether it's learning about some of these toxic behaviors or abuse or narcissism or all these things that we talk about. I had no idea that that was a, there was a label or that that was a thing. I thought you, everybody thinks it's just them. Yeah. So I think empowering women in this way where we're having these conversations and it's like, they're hearing them over and over and over. And it takes years sometimes to build that, that, um, that clarity and that strength to, you know, change things and make decisions like get a divorce or, okay, we need to go to therapy or this is an issue. Um, I think it happens. It's going to happen this way, which is women just waking up. And once that happens, then there's going to be a lot of work on the other side, but men aren't going to change unless this, unless it stops working for them. Mm-hmm. And I think women are saying, you know, it's women, what women want, I think is, is good. It's like, there's nothing that we want that's bad. And so I think it's good for everybody. Um, once women get to the point where they are, they are asking for good change and they are asking for us all to evolve. Mm-hmm. And that in, includes men and um, men are just, um, there are men that are there yet, but as a whole, they're not. 
No, you're right. And I think that we all, a lot of us have our blinders on until we need to know more. I mean, I know for sure in my marriage, you know, and also shame. I never spoke about all of the stuff that was going on in my marriage. I was too ashamed to talk about the indiscretions or what I was dealing with inside. Cause you know, we had to on this, have this outwardly look that everything is fine. And it's this fear of, if I say it out loud, you know, maybe it's true. You know, who do I tell? Because is it really happening? Is this something I really want to dig into? Or I should just be happy and grateful. And also, I mean, I grew up in a family where you didn't ever talk about those things because you just had to, you know, wake up, put on your game face, no matter how hard it is, and just be happy and cruise. And that destroyed me at the end because I hadn't spoken about things that I should have dug into for decades. And so when I finally did, it's like this hot lava eruption that just couldn't stop. And you don't know what you don't know at the time. But I think so many of us, and I mean, I'm not going to generalize, but I think also women, we can be very judgmental of situations when we say like what you say at the beginning, oh, I don't think I would, I would never do that. I would never get divorced. I would never leave my family. I would never have an affair. I would never, you know, choose to be with someone who's abusive. Well, (laughs) until it happens to you, you can't say that, you know? And if you do, I guarantee in some form, it's going to happen. If you say you never, everything I've said, I'll never. Oh, it's, it's happened. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And I, there was also a post that you talked about how healing is our job. And one thing you said in that post, which was like, oh, this is so curious to me is you wrote that if we don't heal, we end up using people, not Mm -hmm. maliciously, but we use attention and the light of someone else to escape our own messy dark. Like, let's talk about that. I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, I see it a lot. Um, I mean, I, I work with a lot of women that are, that are dating now, whether it's after divorce or they're not divorced or they're, you know, dating. And so much of it is people just leaving situations and using other people for validation and just to fill whatever that is. Like everybody has to do the work. Nobody's exempt. Otherwise you truly end up using people. I've used people without knowing it. Um, you know, I, I used my ex-husband for safety, the safety and security, um, so that I could avoid becoming an adult. Cause I didn't want that. I, right. I wanted to just like slip right in and, you know, just not have to do the work. Um, and then I see it a lot. I see it a lot with men too, um, with the validation piece where they, they want, validation and they end up using women for the, the validation and there isn't a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you think, how has that played out for you? Where yeah. You I, see that? I see that often when you're right, when someone hasn't done their own healing, it's either when they've been left in a marriage and they don't feel like they, they were wronged and they didn't contribute to it at all. And how uh, dare they do this to me? You yeah. know, where I believe that it takes two to break down a yeah. relationship that even though maybe one person's actions at the end precipitated the, 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 you know, how it all ended, 
those actions came from somewhere. And whether it be something that happened between you or also just underlying traumas that either you both put yourselves through together or underlying childhood trauma, which then just manifested itself in a different way, which when we all judge someone based on how they showed up, when there's so much more involved with that. And when people don't take accountability, and I see this a lot where there's a massive lack of accountability in a breakdown of a marriage because someone feels that they've been wronged. And so they've become this victim and, you know, the other person is the villain. And because of that are not willing to go deeper into their role and then choose to surround themselves or choose another relationship based on other things they need, whether that be, okay, financial security or, you know, validation or social status or whatever it is, instead of looking at ourselves to say, okay, who am I alone? How do I stand alone? And what did this all mean to me? Because I mean, even though I was the one that left my marriage, you know, there were many times when I felt betrayed and abandoned in my marriage itself. And I knew that, you know, even the infidelity that happened, I knew I had a role in it. I wasn't going to blame myself. I wasn't going to necessarily fully blame him. There were definitely reasons that it was happening that weren't all his fault, you know? And so I think that it's very, I think it's very telling um, an emotional healing level when someone's willing to say, okay, yeah, I see my role and I'm going to dig into that because I have, I have this level of human compassion for what happened and what someone might have done, even though it hurt me, they must have also been hurting, but it takes a shit ton of work on yourself and open-mindedness and not jumping to judgment, which I see judgment just so much, especially as women. I mean, maybe you too, as a woman leaving a marriage and we were comfortable and I had kids like, how dare you do this? Like, what kind of mother are you to leave the situation? It all looks good to me on the outside. And you're thinking, oh, if you only knew. Yep. No, I mean, that is, you are absolutely right. If, if, and I, there is a lot of pretending, I think that we all, we all try to do I mean to your point, like not sharing with other people, like you can't unsay to your best friend, you know, some of the stuff that's happening. You can't, un, you can't undo that. So I think women wait a long time to express some of the things that are going on because of the fact that they they know they can't unsay it. And, and once you do it, it for better or worse, like it does affect the way other people see that person, see your relationship, um, engage with them in the future, like Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Um, it's complicated. Yeah. It's really complicated. It is. It is. And people I think tend to, instead of just staying in a neutral place or, maybe just minding their own business. They have to judge based on the the side of the story that they've heard or that they know or the third-hand information or just the surface value of what it all looked like, you know, in terms of the the optics, but aren't willing to go any deeper. Um, And that to me, you know, through my experience was abandoned by a lot of friends. You know, a lot of friends chose my ex-husband's side because, you know, he was victimized and, you know, nice guy as he is, he also has the the financial means. And so for some reason, I don't get it, 
But for some reason, the friend that is more financially stable and secure can keep all the people. It's almost like the people don't want to give up. Well, I still want to be invited to the cabin or I still want to go on the boat, you know, and oh, well, you know, the divorce happened and he did his his shit too, but we're just going to stay here because it's more convenient and easier for us if we do. Yes. Yes. And I don't mean to like backstab anyone in my life who, who that applies to, but at the same time, it's very, it, it happens to a lot of people and it's very telling of the kind of person that you are or the kind of reason, the purpose that you're in that relationship to begin with. Yes. Yes. And I think it's so cool to, and not just cool, that's a terrible word to use, but like so beautiful when, uh, and I've had this happen a couple of times where people have come back years later and said, I'm so sorry that I didn't, I didn't know how to show up during that time. I didn't understand it. I had never been through it. Now I've actually gone through it. And I'm Mm. sorry that I wasn't there in that way or that I, I wasn't more discerning about, you know, however I handled it. Um, And I think that's, you know, that I've had to do that too, in other situations where I've gone back and said, shit, I was, I just didn't show up. I didn't show up. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how, but I'm sorry. And, you know, those that's worth something too, I think, you know, to be able to circle back with people um, or have them circle back with you. It means a lot. Yeah. Let's talk about that because I was so on the fence for a long time about that and felt, you know, if you were not by me during my darkest hours, Mm -hmm. then you don't deserve to be in the next chapter of my life. But I think part of me is coming around to that where people only know what they know at the time. And they don't really know, like you're saying, how to support you if they actually haven't been through it. So how did you hold space for those people who did come back and did, you know, make amends with you, let's say, or apologize for the way that they treated you? What was that like for you? I mean, I, I feel like it doesn't take a lot for me to like move forward. Like someone's genuine apology because I've screwed up so much in my life and done things wrong and all of that, or, or didn't know at the time. And like, I know that I'm a good person and I have good intentions. Like when I feel that from someone else and they're willing to humble themselves and come back and say something, and you can tell the difference when someone's like trying to apologize just because they want to use the boat, you know, or whatever. (laughs) Um, or they're genuinely like, I, this is a moment of growth for me. And, you know, to Brene Brown, all of her work with vulnerability. Um, I mean, one of my favorite things that she's ever said is, you know, it's hard to hate people close up. Mm. So move in, like when you hear their stories, when you hear people, when people are truly vulnerable and, um, come clean about things or apologize, like it's, I don't know. It's been, it, it would be very difficult for me with all the work that I've done and had to do on myself to, to not like allow that or not, yeah. you know, welcome that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I agree with you. I think that I've always been a forgiver by nature, you know, mm-hmm. like just understand that you're coming from a different place and maybe your, you know, your perception or your experience of my experience is different and then there's always this line of, you know, the boundaries that you now set up with people. Yes. Know, and as long as you have those those solid boundaries around you, it's okay to hold space for the people that also made mistakes in yes. the way that they helped that they held space for you during your darkest time. Totally. 
Well, and forgiveness and is different than access, you know, like those things, like to your point, like that changes when you're at your, you know, a really critical point in your life, you know, the people that are there, like, you know, the people that are there at the funeral and the people that didn't show up, you know, the people that were there at those important times. And so I think access is different. Like that doesn't mean Mm. someone has immediate access, you know, to me or to you. It's just Mm -hmm. to be able to welcome that, um, you know, just growth opportunity because we're all humans and we're this being a human is impossible. Yeah. I want to go to touch in on what another post that you did, which was like, wow, so powerful for me when it takes it to the other side of Mm. when we start to become more successful and Mm. we start to pull ourselves back out of that rock bottom stage. And maybe we're surprising people about how we've clawed our way back or we've created a successful situation out of a really hard time. And when you're shining, you know, like people have a hard time watching others shine sometimes like yes. let's dig into that because your <laughs> post was like oh my god I have to like screenshot oh. this and hold it and re- keep reading it <laughs> oh my gosh I love that that was one of the hardest lessons of my life because you know as when you're on this you know quest to heal yourself and you're like well I'm just I'm getting better every day and you know for the most part that the world responds in a positive way but then there's this other thing that happens. Um, and I experienced it actually in, in Nashville. Um, I was with, this was after my divorce, couple of my divorce, I was with somebody dating somebody and, you know, I was still working on my business and trying to figure things out. And, um, long story short, I ended up, um, you know, coming down to Nashville and I was in the studio for a week recording a couple of songs, dream of my life to be in Nashville and to record. So it was like leading up to that. I was like, this is like, I have worked so hard to get to this point to even be able to do this. And I remember he was speaking somewhere and flew in at the end of the week. So I'm coming off of, and when I say it was the best, you know, four days of my life, like truly, I can't imagine anything better. So like I'm at the height of like joy, happiness that I didn't even know existed. And it totally backfired in my relationship. And I was like, what in the world is going on? He was, you know, just upset and like, couldn't meet me. You know, I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like, can you just meet me here? Because I don't know what's going on, but we got on the plane to go home and I will never forget this. Um, I knew, you know, everything was off and I could just, you know, feel just wasn't good. And I was looking out the window um, as we're flying. And I was like, I turned to him and I didn't even want to ask the question because I didn't really want to hear the answer. But I said, I feel like the more that I become myself, the more you don't want me. Mm, And he said, yes, that's true. (gasps) Wow. So, and I was just crushed, you know, Um, but it was a really important moment because it wasn't going to stop what I was doing. Um, but it was, I just, it was uh, a real learning (laughs) opportunity for me because I, it went against everything that I thought I was doing. I was like, well, I'm just getting better and better and more, I'm more confident. I'm more this and it with the wrong person that can backfire that can make your life a lot worse. And it did for a minute. And then we, you know, ended our relationship, but, um, yeah, thoughts on that. 
Whoa. Whoa. Oh my gosh. But, but so true. Like good for you to having the courage, have the courage to face that head on, like right then in that moment where you're like, I feel like this is misaligned for me. Like this yeah. is what I need more from you. And here's who I am. Can you yeah. meet me here or not? Because I think that so many of us don't do that in our relationships. And then you end up in that power struggle or resentment bruise. And we're in this competition relationship when that's not what yeah. it's supposed to be. You're supposed no. to be building with each other, not against each other. And yep. I can see that though, you know, men have, you know, can have very tender egos when it comes to success. And it's funny that you say that because my, my coach and mentor is Terry Cole. I don't know if you follow her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 She's amazing. And her and I had a session, (laughs) one-on-one session yesterday, and we talked about success and how, you know, my success is building and growing. And she says, how, how's your partner? with this and how do you think he will be let's say a year from now when you are even more successful than you are now and that was a i was like well i think he's going to be okay <laughs> but i don't know so i had to like after work you know went over had dinner with him and i had to dig into that conversation i'm like what would this look like for you and how does this yeah. feel you know if i was you know got to be more financially successful than you i mean he's doing really well himself But it was a great conversation to have. But I think in those moments, and this comes down to even friendships that see you successful and they're like, whoa, you know, slow down, stop getting on your little, like, you know, high horse of success here. And they're not celebrating you or they say things that quietly, you know, passive aggressively, humorously undermine you. You know, these are the moments when you're like, wait a second. Yeah. I need you to celebrate me, not try to pull me off this pedestal because you yes. are not comfortable with where you are. Yep. And that's yeah. all that it is. It's they're not being anybody who's really comfortable, as you know, like when you're in your space, you're in your lane, It ev- there's room for everybody. There really, there really is. And it's so much more powerful when you can lift others up with you, yes. you know, and let people shine as who they are. If people cannot be who they are with you, then that's not a real friend. You know, our, no. we should always be able to show up as we are and feel like we belong. And if we don't, then we're bending for them at the sacrifice yeah. of ourselves. And that's not true authenticity. No, no, it's yeah. not. Oh my gosh, Julie, this has been so great. I just love chatting with you. And oh, I'm same. And same, I'm so same. um I'm so proud of you for what where you've come and for what you're doing now and for all of the, the inspiration and empowerment that you still provide me all the time with your posts you. and, and everyone you. else. So same, thank you. Same, same. Right back to you. We find each other. I think we all when we're in this space, we find each other. So I'm really, really grateful. I loved this conversation. It was easy. You made it so easy. So easy. <laughs> you flew by. It did. <laughs> so before we end, just tell yes. everyone where they can find you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, I think living on Instagram. So I am her Instagram. It's Julie Harper. I am her. Um, and that's connected to everything else, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, and then my site, everything that need that's that you would need to know or find is, is really centered in Instagram. So you can find everything there. Amazing. So everyone go check her out. I am her on Instagram and get your daily dose of empowerment and inspiration, Mm -hmm. and you are going to love it. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. 
Hope to talk again soon. We will. We'll keep in touch. Okay. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week. America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. 